Hey guys, it's JP. Don't forget to find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Spark in the Valley. We're also on YouTube, so like, share, and subscribe to get the hottest and newest content. Spark in the Valley. not good night for you yet maybe on the way but you have decided to turn on a spark in the valley congratulations congratulations <laughs> you stumbled upon quite the interesting conversation we're located in the beautiful heart of the valley I, I call it the friendly city Athens, Tennessee. Uh, I am joined by amazing voices, minds, and faces. We have... I'm Alex Sharp. I'm J.P. Vasquez. I'm Cody Hensley. I'm Julius Johnson, and as already stated, we are Spark in the Valley. We are moving forward... Uh, on our conversation from last week. Yeah, I wanted to clarify some things. I, um, I was asked a couple of questions, and I, I didn't really know the answers. Uh, one of those was, when did the Daughters of the Confederacy um, put up statues and things like that? When was their most active mm-hmm. time? Because we knew that they had put up a lot of statues. Um, and and so I, I started looking into it, and I actually like came across a lot of stuff. And a lot of it was... Um, there was a lot of stuff about Tennessee. Mm. And I thought, okay, well, that might be a good conversation for us to kind of continue and talk about and kind of see what you guys think about this because it's kind of wild. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, so what we're talking about is the United Daughters of the Confederacy, which is a group that started in, um, in 1894, and it's considered a white Southern women's heritage group. Um, and in a lot of ways, in the early 1900s, they were essentially like kind of the female version of the Ku Klux Klan, mm. but they work in a different way, right? So they don't have the violence that we see from like the KKK, Wow! but they support that violence. And so there's a really fascinating podcast that I suggest everybody listen to. It's called White Lies. And they talk a lot about this. And that's initially where my information came from when we were talking last week. Um, Just talking about, they talk a lot about, um, about the lost cause, which is this idea that essentially that the Confederacy was just and heroic in what they were doing and that they were fighting for states' rights not necessarily slavery but of course we all know like or at least we I say that but we don't all know that um a big a big proportion of us know that that's not true that the that the Confederacy fought to keep slavery legal I mean that was really what it came down to it was in their actual document that stated why the Confederacy was fighting this war so we know that's true but ironically something like 40 let me look i actually have it right here Uh, uh, there's a cnn article called there are certain moments in u.s history when confederate monuments go up and they talk about different times that these memorials are going up as um 
you know, really they're symbols of hate, but talking about um, why they're erected and things like that. But it's talking about the different spikes. Um, and, oh, no, this isn't the article I'm thinking of. The one I'm thinking of is the Washington Post article um, that talks about, initially it was talking about, you remember when John Kelly, the chief of staff, talked about Robert E. Lee being an honorable man? Yeah. I don't know if y'all remember that. That was yeah. 2017. It was a while ago. There's been a lot of things that have happened between then and now. Um, but he was talking about it, and a lot of historians had like a really big problem with that because they thought he downplayed the real cause of the war, which was slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, but they actually did some some like, uh, some studies and or did like polls to see what people thought, like public opinion research uh, polls talking about um, how many people believed that the Civil War's main cause was slavery and how many thought that it was states' rights. Mm-hmm. And 42% said that slavery was not the main reason for yep. the Civil War, yep. which is a crazy percentage, guys. That's a huge amount. That's almost half the country yep. that has been indoctrinated to think that the Confederacy was just, that they were right in what they were fighting for, which is ridiculous because mm. they were fighting to keep slavery legal. Right. And so, and then they had another poll that was from 2015. It was a McClatchy-Maris poll. And they asked, was slavery the main reason for the Civil War or not? And just over half, 53%, said that it was. And 41% said that it was not. So really, it was almost exactly the same um, as this poll that was taken several years before that said 42% thought that slavery was not the main reason for the Civil War. So it's kind of crazy. But one of the reasons that that is so um, pervasive is the Daughters of the Confederacy. Mm. They have had this campaign for a long time, for over 100 years, that has fought to, to teach the lost cause ideology. They didn't invent it, but they are extremely important in spreading the idea of the lost cause ideology. Um, and it's one of the biggest ways that they did that was by putting up Confederate monuments. They've mm. put up over 700 of them. Wow. And there are even states, because they're a nonprofit technically, there are states that are giving them money. Like their no. headquarters is in Virginia and they have, they've been given $1.6 million since 1996 what? to maintain Confederate statues in Virginia. Could you imagine what that would do to each like individual like commerce or economy like just goes directly back yeah. you know into like the appreciation of the situation instead of it like being this you know subservient statue mm-hmm. that's like looming over yeah well that's uh, that's meant to intimidate right so that the confederate statues the majority of confederate statues went up during jim crow era which was in the 1920 1910s 1920s it was about 35 years after the civil war 30 years after the civil war and that was a huge push by the UDC, the United Daughters of the Confederacy. Um, they pretty much, uh, well, there's there's a really, there's a book that's been written by, um, by historian Karen Cox, and she says, UDC members aspired to transform military defeat into a political and cultural victory where states' rights and white supremacy remained intact. And that was like so much a... Um, uh, a motivating factor for them right. and one of the, so they put up these statues during Jim Crow era which was the first time that we started to see black people find any kind of political power even though it was such a small amount right. um, they put them up to try to you know maintain this idea of white supremacy and then 
um, the next big surge we see of statues being put up, Confederate statues being put up, is in the 1950s and 60s during the Civil Rights era. Right. So we know that they're put up for a specific reason, and that reason is to intimidate and to cause fear. And it's a fear tactic. It's or a scare tactic. It's it's meant to make people be frightened that that thing, that that idea of the Confederacy or the idea that slavery was the right thing, should be maintained. Um, and so I think that there's there's a lot to be said. But the other thing that they that they've done a lot of um, is the education is right. like going into schools right. and they put they did a lot of things with um, putting up murals and stuff of mm -hmm. generals and like Confederate flags and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But also making sure that kids were being taught that states rights were, was the reason behind the Civil War. Right, right. And um and so it, it's actually they've like they've have books that like that glorify the KKK that they have then gone on to um, to, you know, uh, send out and make sure that people read them and they've published them themselves. Like, I mean, it's really kind of wild. I got a lot of this information from an article from Salon um, okay. that is called Seven Things the United Daughters of the Confederacy Might Not Want You to Know About Them. Wow. Um, the organization keeps Confederate statues standing and spreads lies about America's history of slavery. And it's so true. Like, it's so pervasive and it's so sneaky. Mm. Like, they snuck in in a lot of ways um, like with the indoctrination of, of white Southern children, like this totally worked on my mom when I had, the, we've talked about this, me having the mm -hmm. conversation with her about mm -hmm. Confederate statues. Mm -hmm. This was totally, and we've talked about, we were taught that, like I was taught that in school. It's still a very pervasive idea. Um, but they would actually have children of the Confederacy, uh, like a youth auxiliary essentially. And they would, um, they would like essentially get, children to join the UDC from that like wow. and they would always have children involved in the unveiling of their monuments mm -hmm. so they would have like a child who got to pull the cord oh my god and a child who's like then the children would form like living battle flags and they would sing patriotic songs that were of southern heritage my and like all goodness. this kind of crazy nonsense and it's just really um it's really sad because they have a really backwards way of thinking about things. And one of the ways that they do that is by honoring black people um, who were loyal slaves. And that's like a big, that's like a big part of the lost cause ideology is that, um, that slaves liked being slaves. That like there were slaves who fought for the Confederacy because they believed in the Confederacy and they believed in slavery and they liked slavery, which I think is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, it is ridiculous, but there is, you know, a, a, like a large majority of unfortunately brainwashed black people that do support, you know, I say majority, that's not the right word. There's a large group of black people. Um, you can literally just kind of just Google it. And you'll see pictures of uh, black people, at, like at events. And oh things. yeah. Like even today. There's one who I was in a bunch of. So one of my best friends actually um, helped to get the Robert E. Lee statue taken down of Lee's Circle okay. in New Orleans. Okay. And she fought for like a couple of years for them mm. to take down several different Confederate mm. statues along with like a large cohort of people. Right, it was not right, just her. Right. It was a large group of people. And that she was always, there's always pictures of her at these like big protests. And there was this one black guy who was always like motorcycled out, like dressed in leathers, but they were all like covered in Confederate statues. Oh and he gosh. always had a gun on him and stuff. Oh and it was gosh. like, I don't understand this kind of indoctrination. Like, I don't get it. So can you, can you, tell me why like 
Do you I have mean, any insight on that? The best thing that I can say without getting too deep into it is that it 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 does come from the relationship that uh, some black slaves had with their slave owners. Yeah. Um, and if you understand the way that uh, slaves were bred, and I'm using that term directly, yeah. slaves were bred. Um, they bred slaves that had specific roles to play on right. any plantation. And then they would pit them against each they other. They would pit them against like each other. Like if you got to be a house slave, mm-hmm. that was much mm-hmm. better than being right. a slave in the, the field. field. Yeah. And among other, you know, some other chores, you know, oh, that, sure. that you would have to go through. Yeah, like if you were the if you were lucky enough to be the master's mm-hmm. like valet or right. whatever, like that's right. like huge. The best example that we can see and laugh at at the same time is the Django Unchained as mm. as as Slapstick as it was, it still uh, speaks a little bit of truth. Mm -hmm. Samuel Jackson, Samuel Jackson, uh, perspective on that Mm -hmm. uh, is so you can you could have been a slave owner Mm -hmm. um, and not treated the people that you had in slavery poorly, right? I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of examples of of families that were um, treated well, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't take away from the fact that you were not being treated fairly as a human being human yeah um even if even if you enjoyed your life as a slave Mm -hmm. doesn't you you were not given the option of anything else right right so so it doesn't matter if like they liked it or not because Mm. it was still not right you know what the difference was yeah and uh yeah and it it uh it continues Right. Generational, right. right? Generational trauma is such a real thing. Like, and that, and I guess those ideas stay with you. Like there's another really good podcast called the nod. Um, that's really good. And they have an art, they have a um, episode about a woman who like, um, owned some land and it was being taken away from her because it had been, she had, it had been bought by her father who was once a slave. It's like really complicated, but She's a really incredible woman, actually. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really. Didn't they I'll have give to look it up. That land out to certain people because of slavery. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was, it was something, something like that. that. That's how she ended up with it, and on, then on that. they were like, "Yeah, reneging on it," and it and it was like years and years later. But they had actually lived on the like slave owner's land mm-hmm. and still had relationships with them because her father was like a sharecropper and all wow. this kind of stuff. And, and they might have take like a lot of them took their names, their last took their names. names. Yeah. And they would pronounce them slightly different. And I can't remember exactly. I'm going to have to look it up so I can tell you which episode to listen to and what her name is. Cause she was really an incredible woman. Um, but it was really interesting to hear about that relationship that uh. it had lasted for so long, like, mm-hmm. and that they had such, like a, such a good relationship, even though this family had owned them. Like, right. and it, it's, so I guess I could see where that would like come from. Like that they're talking here about like the faithful Negro. Uh-huh. Right. And it's it, who chose like slavery over freedom. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah. that's not, and they're saying that that's like, that's what the best right. of the best did. Right. Yeah. That's what the and best when we say there, we're, we're looking at this article that's for, about the daughters of the Confederate, uh, Confederacy, um, and I guess you know, <laughs> there's this is a deep, this is a deep part of the subject. You know, this is obviously like a very you know uh, dynamic topic. But where we are right now is really really deep. 
um and there's more that lends itself to this conversation but the surface for me personally i don't know about any of us but the surface for me is a considerable lack of education across the board well and not even a lack of education but like an actual intentional false education Mm -hmm. that is like so disconcerting Mm -hmm. to think that they fought in this particular way to mm-hmm. teach children something that was just true, just untrue. Yeah, like, just leaving it out would be one thing because then right. you learn the knowledge. Because like, our oh, history, okay. our history is revisionist. Like all of our history classes are revisionist. We only hear about certain people and they're usually like famous white men. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way. And that's like not what our history actually looks like, which is now a great time to make a shameless plug for my new podcast that'll be coming out soon yes. called Fem History. Mm-hmm. And it's all about highlighting women throughout our history who have not been given their fair due mm-hmm. of like of credit Absolutely. for what they've done Absolutely. and so we're going to talk about really incredible female figures and it's going to um, be under purple mountain pines which yes. is our production company yes. exactly our, the second official podcast yes out. and yes. so that'll be coming out in the next um couple months so look out for it and and i'll let you guys know as we get closer um to when that will be released and and we're going to release it as a limited series and then decide if we want to continue and i think we probably will because i'm i really love the idea but, but there are a lot of awesome women that we're going to talk so about, many so. incredible women yeah. and i got i actually crowdsourced mm-hmm. um a lot of the names so okay. it was a lot of people who i didn't know and okay. i looked into them and people i mean women from all walks of life all shapes and sizes and colors and and it's really like really interesting and the cool. whole idea is that we're going to highlight all kinds of women so that includes trans women mm-hmm. that includes black women white women uh women of other uh, nationalities mm-hmm. like all kinds of things mm-hmm. we're not just highlighting you know like white american women like that's not that's not what i'm doing here um in fact our first episode will be for audrey lord who is a famous warrior poet who is a black woman and a lesbian and a womanist um really amazing woman so a check womanist. it out um yeah she was a womanist that okay. was a term she used really yeah uh, <laughs> she, she liked that already. more than feminist because okay. she thought at, at that time the feminist feminist was very white oh, uh, wow. feminism in itself was a very white culture wow. and she didn't feel like they made room for, for the, oh, wow. others and so she Y'all. she actually came up with the term womanist to include that Everybody. and and that and that yeah. brings us back to this is like with the modern day comes modern solutions right so like Mm -hmm. it's not as easy for the daughters of the confederacy to go into a school and help indoctrinate children (laughs) as it might have been in the 1950s right right? where that would have been easier but what they do now is they mostly file suits so they file lawsuits against what so mostly what we're seeing is like in a lot of ways they've kind of um they they're not in their heyday at all like they've kind of you become quiet right yeah. now in the modern day mm-hmm. the udc is not nearly as powerful as they used to be and but they still exist but they still exist <laughs> right. and they still get funding and they still are a nonprofit who gets funding from people which is there that that's, means they don't pay taxes that's which blows my mind um but so i guess that's i guess that's part of america that's they're why protected then, i mean if you think about it that's why it's taken so long for the government to like name the Ku Klux Klan as a terrorist organization. Well, no, that they means actually named it. them. They named them a terrorist uh, like group in like the 1800s, what? and then it was just ignored. Oh, like, like, yeah. And now, and then they came out with it again. The FBI put them on our domestic terrorism list a couple of years ago, or something so, like that. Well, we have just. I mean, if it's if it's safe to say, can we say that our states are funding terrorists? 
terrorism? I mean, in some ways. State-sanctioned terrorism? I mean, in some ways, if you look at the UDC, the UDC is not a terrorist group. They're just really misinformed. And they do things like fight against monuments being taken down. So they that's a big part of what they do now is that they, they fight with lawsuits, a lot of them. And in fact, like they actually had a case against Vanderbilt, um, which is in our town or in our area. Um, and they because the school wanted to take Confederate out of the name of one of their dorms. And so they um, the they, dorm, y'all, the dorm had Confederate in the name and the UDC had given them money in like the, the 30s or something like that for that. And they wanted them to give them the money back with inflation for 2016 prices. So they actually settled and gave them like one point something million dollars wow. instead of keeping Confederate in the name. So good for you, Vanderbilt. That's awesome. But they also talk about like there's a mural that was in Crossville that got a bunch of attention Mm -hmm. because it was literally like there was a big rebel flag, a big Confederate flag on the wall and a picture of one kid in a red suit and a blue kid hanging from a tree like a white kid in a blue suit hanging from a tree lynched. And it was supposed to be like a, a sports thing like rivalry or whatever. But it was like a freaking lynching yeah. painted on the wall of an elementary school. Wow. In Crossville. Wow. Yeah. So crazy. South wow. Cumberland, I think. South Cumberland Elementary School. That right so, there shows us that we are not educating ourselves. We're not speaking no, to true history. people are walking past that every day. And more than likely, the UDC were, had put that statue up Bro. or put up that mural. mural. That was a big way that they wow. that they helped influence children to believe this idea wow. is that they would go into schools and they would put up monuments and murals of generals or they would get, uh, they would they would pay money to have the school named after like Confederate generals and mm, stuff like that. Mm, so that's why we still have like Robert E. Lee school and yeah, stuff like that, which yeah, is crazy. Like yeah. we should not be glorifying these yeah, people, yeah. you know? And in fact, this reminds me of our special guest, um, Sherman Neal, yeah. that you're going to, uh, to interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he actually has been fighting uh, for a while in mm-hmm. Murray, Kentucky, Kentucky yep. to have a statue of Robert E. Lee taken down that's on the Callaway County um, courthouse grounds. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's a retired uh, Marine and now he's a football coach down there in Murray. And he moved there specifically to coach football, but it kind of sparked this movement in him when his three-year-old asked him about a statue of Robert E. Lee and he had no idea what to tell him. He didn't know how to explain it. And so, you know, his focus was, I cannot be a preacher to my kids about justice and about, you know, equality and all these things if I'm not doing something directly to influence that in their life. Right. And so he has been, you know, fighting this fight uh to get this statue taken down um there's an article on resource about it um ohiovalleyresource.org it's a really really good article um it kind of details everything that's going on um it has direct quotes from him direct quotes from uh, county officials and you know it's going to be interesting to hear how he, he um has been navigating this you know in the article itself it talks about how when he started this uh battle he was getting direct threats you know wow um and the issue with that is his first letter that he wrote out did not 
speak to him being a Marine. It didn't speak to him being a coach where he was coaching at the school. He just was a concerned citizen. And then all of a sudden he started getting all these threats. Oh, wow. So that tells you that it's just like intertwined. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, and it's just it runs so deep. Yeah. Like people believe yeah. this so wholeheartedly and they believe that this like is our heritage. But like that is not something we should be glorifying, in my opinion. And I guess, you know, tell us if you disagree. Absolutely. Tell us if you if you and tell us why. Don't just say that you, you know, like that you think the Confederate statue should stay up. Tell us why you think they should right, stay up. Right. Why are they important to you? Right. Um, and why, if they are hurting other people in our country, is it worth it to keep them up? Yeah. Are they that important? Yeah. Is it that important to glorify the losers, mm -hmm. right? Or somebody who stood for something so egregious, right? right, right? right, right. It's like the, the, you know, there's so many laws about this in Germany. Like you can't have a Nazi flag. You can't have a swastika mm -hmm. anywhere. Like mm -hmm. it is illegal mm -hmm. because it is such a dark part of their history. And why yeah. don't we see the Confederacy as the same, as way? the same way? Why have we instead allowed it to be glorified for all these years? That's exactly right. You know, and I just, I just, I don't know. It's one of what do you guys think? Do you think that the statues should stay up or should they come down? Why should they stay up? Exactly. I, I, that's the argument I want to hear. Why? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I just, and because almost every time that they, they give you an answer, it's false information. I, w I would like to say that the article states that Sherman does not, he's not directly advocating for the destruction of the statues most people are not most yeah. people are just talking about removal Moving and putting them, them into yeah. a museum putting them somewhere else yes because like we have a confederate museum in new orleans yeah. like that holds that kind of stuff yeah. that has that yeah. dark history and like i think we should look at that and we should we should analyze that yeah. and we should look at what that it that insight that comes from that like I mean, we should see something from that but it shouldn't be glorified in our public spaces that should be something you choose to yeah, go why, see it's like it's it's a statue of someone that fought against America. Yeah, yeah. that's what it is. Right. Yeah, they, they they conceded from the United States of America and became their own country and fought against us. Why would we have statues of, of someone like that? I right. Just, and if that's your history, then you're on the wrong side of history. Yeah. What See, do you think, JP? What I want to do, I would like to erect a statue in the middle of. New York City. Uh oh. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Where's this going? Of Osama bin Laden. Oh, oh God. And, and see what these people have to say about that. Wow. Because it's by and large the same thing at that point. There's definitely, uh, I could definitely see a correlation like to. Let's, let's, let's just call a spade a spade. I mean, we, we said it last week. I mean, regard, or I said it last week, and I, I understand we've got. The difference is that their ancestors were not. The, right. Like, but let, a, that's, let, that's let's the remove, difference. let's remove their personal feeling out of the equation. At the end of the day, it's a statue glorifying <coughs> hate against the United States of America. Yeah. I think by removing the, your personal, like, your... We wouldn't have a problem the, if we the, could remove the personal side of it. I mean, yeah, that's well, really... That, that's right. exactly. that's, that's so, everyone's uh, argument against So I, I would like okay. to know why people feel so strongly about the Confederacy. I think they think that that's their heritage, right? Like, they I, think I, that I, in like some way that represents their ancestors exactly. or well, something I mean, like that. that. I, I they want, have a slogan, the South will rise again. Right. I, I, want, I want anyone that feels in the particular way of holding on to these statues 
And I mean, hey, it, it's it's a legitimate claim. If you if you want to hold the statues, I mean that that's your personal belief. But I want to actually know why, because like like what it, basically what Cody was saying just a second ago. I, I want to know why. Why is the Confederacy so close to you? Yeah. What what happened in the Confederacy <laughs> in that small blip of history? I, I mean, the Confederacy lasted less time than lost. Okay. Right. Like. Wow. I mean, you know, like. But you're not gonna it, like the, the the honest true answers are is gonna no, be no 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 I I don't want to like the honest true answers I want to know the honest true answers because I want to be able to call call the I want to be able to call their the answer, their yeah. you know the answer exactly like I, I just want to I want them to be able to say why and articulate it and yeah. I, I, you need to be able to articulate it and not just say oh because of this it's just like like the the claim of. Uh, uh, the the South seceded because of states' rights. States' rights to what? And I want to see that argue, argument devolve into just a whole bunch of uh, 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 uh. right because they don't. You're actually just trying know. to get get away from saying, oh, uh, states' rights to have slaves. Right. I mean, which like, is if, in if their, read, it's in the document. If, if you read the Constitution of the slave or uh, the Constitution of the Confederacy, if you read the preamble, if you read the the speech that uh, Jefferson Davis gave when he was talking about the Constitution of the Confederacy, I mean, it's obvious that that's what what it was. It was about slavery, and just for them to to be able to say, oh, it was states' rights, and then just end the sentence there without giving a further explanation and having the actual like guts to stand for what they believe in and if that what they believe in is something racist and hateful then believe in that but at least have the at least have the balls to say that that's what you believe instead of hiding behind something that is is just an ideology like oh yeah. states rights okay cool let's talk about that states rights to what and then i want to hear that argument that, that's what I want to hear, and I, I want to know that whenever people are talking about these statues. I want to know why people feel so strongly about it to where, okay, let's con let's compare, again, it's not the same thing, but let's compare uh, like the Confederacy to Nazi Germany. Why do we feel so strongly about, quote, Nazi Germany, comparing it to the, the Confederacy, and Germans don't feel the same way? Now there is a certain subsect of people in Germany that are still Nazis. I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a subsect in America that exactly. are Nazis, and they exist. It's, it's just they do. That isn't glorified in the streets. Well, there's this is love this conversation. I'm not gonna lie. So uh, I'm gonna try to make sure I get my thoughts together. Here. There's a lot going on in this brain. Let's get to this uh, subject of the comparison between Nazi Germany and confederacy i have an observation in my mind that i've noticed for a while you brought up uh, museums mm -hmm. and drive down i think it's 85 i don't know 65 or 85 in alabama going through you go birmingham all the way down to montgomery there's a few things you'll see one of the main things that you'll see i don't know what mile marker it is and I'm fairly certain it's still there because I'm sure it'd be a big deal if it ever came down. Is a gigantic Confederate flag oh, Lord. dedicated to the Daughters of the Confederacy and mm -hmm. the, the men that died in the battle, the Confederate battle. Right, which was a big reason that these statues were supposedly put up was to honor 
the Confederate soldiers who had died. died. Right. Right. And it's like, yeah, but they died fighting for something. Right. Horrible. Yeah, you know? very horrible. And also, I just want to point out uh-huh. the UDC, the Daughters of the Confederacy, funded the Robert E. Lee statue that Sherman is trying to have but, taken down. Wow. It all circles back around. It all back circles back around. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, what I'm trying to get at is we see regular examples of uh, the Confederacy in terms of remembering its history, in terms of the men on the side that was against the United States, the men that wanted slavery. And we parallel that to the relationship that we have with Europe and Germany and uh, the Holocaust. There are Holocaust museums that exist in America. Oh, yeah. You can go to many, many different Holocaust museums. Yeah, there's there's actually the what it used to be the D-Day Museum. It's now now the National World War II Museum is in New Orleans. I've been to it so many times I could not even tell you because wow. my dad's like a huge war buff. Okay. And I've seen the whole, I mean, there's a Holocaust mm-hmm. exhibit that's been mm-hmm. there for I, my whole life, I've essentially. One, I've been the one to Washington, D.C. Yeah. It was very interesting. I loved it. But there's something that you have to say to yourself that we're not saying is, where are the slavery museums? <laughs> Where are the oh, museums damn. about Jim Crow? Yeah, because there, I mean, there's a civil rights museum in there's Atlanta, but it's museum. one of the only ones in the country, I think. Exactly. Wait, wait. So what you just said is very important. Montgomery just opened up the Legacy Museum. It's directly related to all of the lynchings that took place in the Southeast. Oh, wow. And it's powerful. I've never been, but I've researched it. Their pictures are amazing. There's these huge columns that are hanging from the ceiling that represent oh, the many, yeah, yes. the many people that were lynched. Uh, he went to each county and grabbed the soil from the locations where people were lynched, and they're oh, like wow. on like this huge display in these masonry I jars. I know. I oh, want man. to go. We should totally go. We should go. That's not that far. It's not that far at all. But what that what I'm trying to get at is the education level behind the atrocity of slavery moving into Jim Crow, moving into the Great Migration, moving into Reconstruction. It's not there. It's not there. It's missing. It's just not there. Yeah. And there's it's being an, erased. Absolutely, Alex. And there's an article that CBS uh, wrote um, that is talking about, it, the article is, is called 50 States, 50 Different Ways of Teaching America's Past. And it is talking about a two-month-long investigation into how black history is taught in the U.S. And essentially, they discovered that there are no standardized social studies uh, regiments across the board nationwide. So each state just gets to name whatever they want to as their curriculum. And one of the things that was brought up is that... uh, Let's see if I can find it here. CBS News found that seven states do not directly mention slavery in their state standards. And eight states do not mention the civil rights movement. What? Girl, only two states mention white supremacy. This is a two-month-long investigation. They have uh, tons of... um, Sources and then across the state is not necessarily correct. The same, the same. either. That's ex- thank you because very, it, it very can much. literally be broken down to a local level of what's being taught school by school. Correct can be different. Correct. And then we talk about the 
counties or the states that are heavily influenced by the daughters of the Confederacy. Yeah. Right. And how they and were so in the schools. For originally. me, like I have a certain amount of like, I can see both sides of this mm -hmm. in the sense of as a teacher, as an educator, mm -hmm. I choose the things that I get to teach, the things I think are most important, the things that I think are the most directly needed by my students. Mm -hmm. Right. And so mm -hmm. you would think that teachers are like doing that, but you have to have, that's like, you hope that they have good intentions that's it right there and that they're not racist right, which right, right. we know is not true well we see or videos. that they haven't been taught incorrectly there's tons of videos of these kids interacting with these teachers and they're like oh you don't know what you're talking about and the teacher's like get out oh yeah <laughs> you know yeah. instead of you question them you, know? you question them so you know we go back to what jp was saying you know how where is that relationship when you have your parents at home telling you one thing, you have a school system that's not telling you anything, and then you have all these other external influences such as the media, yeah. such as music, such as you know all these other things that are influencing you and not teaching you the right way, of course you're going to get, you know, the, the, the karma there, the cause and effect yeah. there is that you're going to get an organization that rises up and says hey guys black lives matter right and then when it's there's not a surprising that we're seeing that you see what i'm saying yeah. and then there's going to be because uh the the, the the effect of the lack of education is hey black lives matter the, right. that's the effect the cause of black lives matter is we don't know this education right. so we don't know to say hey by the way Black Lives Matter too. Right. That's yeah. all this is about. Yeah. Because for how many years has America said to black lives, you don't, you don't matter. I mean, right. the LA you're, riots, you know, all these different things. You're three fifths of a person. <laughs> Bro, yeah. when they wrote the daggum constitution, every man, or is it constitution? Every man was created equal, all men are created equal. But it's like, you know that they looked at each other. women, they, though. They, they looked, Not the women. Yeah, they they yeah. looked at each other and they were like, you know what? I you know what I mean. You know, there's no National Women's History Museum. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? There's not one. They don't like, want you to know how great y'all are. That's you know right. What I'm saying? I mean, come on, slay. Man. Come on. Just slay one see, time. We just also, want somebody to say that we've done something <laughs> worth something. You know how many incredible women have been in this country, and yes. how many amazing things they've yes. done. And the same with our with like I I went to the Civil Rights Museum in Atlanta, which is a really new museum. That's mm -hmm. a really it's mm -hmm. only been erected in the last couple of years. Mm. And and it was so powerful and you know I, I have to like I had to really step back and think like I'm a person who goes out of my way to educate myself yeah I am a person who does research and who is more liberal so mm -hmm. I tend to be more interested in things like black history and all that I mean I hate to say it but it's true, true. and so I've gone out of my way to look up these people uh -huh. you know that I've read about or whatever and listen to podcasts right. and, and things like that and I still don't know anything. Mm. Like I learned so much at that mm. museum that I had no idea yeah. about. And it's like, it just shows you the importance of that education. Man. Like it needs to be there. Man. It's heartbreaking that it's not there. It's heartbreaking that, mm. that our children are not being taught, that our black children aren't seeing themselves represented. It's the same thing with women. Like when you are in history class, all those years of being in class and occasionally they throw out a woman's name and you're like, oh, oh. That's amazing. Somebody who looks like me, who did something great. And, you know, it's like, that's just never, it's never represented. And that representation is important. <laughs> Betsy Ross. Yeah. Betsy Ross. Oh, well, yeah, so. I, I, I'm going to say this and I would love to hear from the rest of the crowd. Um, but <laughs> just bear with me. Okay. Middle school. 
We sat in class and we had to be quiet. And we all had to read the diary of Anne Frank. Oh, yeah. And you had, you was a test and you had to pass it. You had to know what she was talking about. You had to know when she said it, what date, all these different things. Mm -hmm. I did not do well on that test. But my point is. But why aren't we learning the Bond Woman's narrative by Henry Louis Gates Jr.? You see what I'm saying? Like, why aren't we hearing those stories? Which is the first story, like, uh, it was the one of the first um, actual documents that was found mm -hmm. that a slave woman wrote because wow. she learned how to read see, and write. I, I and can say I've never read that. Oh, it's it's amazing. You should really read it. I mean, it's horrifying, but it's really it's really an incredible yeah. book. And it should be something we read at ninth grade. But that's the thing. That's it. It should have been there with the Diary of Anne Frank. Yeah. Why weren't we reading that? Yeah. You know why so, wasn't that important? I'm just leaving that there. It please. was our history. We didn't read it silently. We ours was a play. Then really? we acted out. Wow. How did so, you do that? We all like we we took turns being different characters in the book. Wow. And we. We acted out. They very, wanted you to know how yeah. it was to be a Jew in the Holocaust. Yeah, that's exactly same with night. Same that's with exactly how we did Tom Sawyer. And really? Yeah, I never read have, Tom Sawyer. Do you have any idea how weird yeah. it, like, it yeah. was for oh, kids? I, bet. I, I bet saw Oklahoma so and I was just like, okay. I've never seen Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I don't think no, I've ever seen Oklahoma. I was like, okay. All right. Yeah, it's... Yeah, there's like some serious yeah. undertones there. Yeah, serial yeah. undertones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can imagine yeah. some of that is rather uh, problematic. So anyway, I guess it's a good time to take a break and go break. Uh, interview Mr. Sherman Neal. Yes, absolutely. So stick around and listen for our interview with Sherman Neal and hear all about his efforts to have this statue of Robert E. Lee uh, taken down. Epic. Yeah, absolutely. In 1917, the United Daughters of the Confederacy erected a statue in the middle of downtown Murray, Kentucky, commemorating a Confederate soldier. The statue has been facing the South for generations. Today, in 2020, nearly almost 103 years after its placement, Sherman Neal and many who support him say it's time to come down. Murray was constructed with, you know, the courthouse in the middle of, you know, the town, the small town area, the courthouse square. And on that courthouse square, there's a uh, statue um, of Robert E. Lee. So the, with our specific statue to kind of describe it, it's like a three-pronged issue. So once the statue itself is put up by the United Daughters of the Confederacy, we've done hundreds of these throughout you know, the Southeast and some other places. Um, so you have the statue of Robert E. Lee itself um, that sits on top of a, a pedestal um, and really a structure that's, you know, in remembrance of the Confederate soldiers and has a, you know, CSA marker on it. So what's the big deal? Underneath that statue, there's actually a, a water fountain there. Uh, the significance of that water fountain is it was a um, whites only water fountain until desegregation. And then the, the, the city or the county, it just magically got turned off right when desegregation happened for certain people not to be able to use it together with other people. And so that's there as well. The timing of when the statue was placed and the cultural divide at that time still plays a faint melody of a historical measure. Um, the statue was put up in 1917, uh, which is you know right around the time of the rise of the Ku Klux Klan in the area. Um, there were active Klan members. Nathan Bedford Forrest himself is 
probably one of the more revered uh, Civil War people in this area. He, uh, of course, was the man who started the Ku Klux Klan down in Pulaski, Tennessee. Um, um, and uh, all the bad things that come with statues like this um, and what it represents came. So when you go back through old newspapers, statue goes up, there's a black family in town, black family's house gets burnt down. You know, if you go to the 1950s, you know, and there's discussions about the statue and using it as a talking point, what are they talking about is keeping schools segregated. So even though Brown versus Board came out in like 1954, you know, you didn't see real de desegregation in this area until after. So a, a common theme that you'll find is, you know, we'll take all routes. Um, I think it's like Winston Churchill is a quote it gets attributed to is like Americans would, you know, do everything wrong until you know absolutely faced with the decision would have to do something right mm. something like that that's basically what's going on here during the course of the experience not all of the community was excited about the removal the city government is willing to listen to sherman's argument the county however has no desire murray being the city um it's it's right in the middle of the of the city so the court so legally, this is where you get into hurdle number one, and we'll probably talk about a little bit of what does it take to move it and why can't you? And so, so the city, you know, owns the city, obviously, except for a very small, probably half acre plot of land where the courthouse is on. Oh, okay. okay. That, yeah, so which means that even though the city wants to do something to that, you know, something that's surrounded by the city, they can't because the county owns it. Now, if you look at demographics, the city is, you know, the more typically progressive, you know, business-oriented agent. Whereas the county, they don't care. And in fact, there's a there's a lot of animosity between cities and counties, uh, and so just, you see that here with the city, county, and the in the in the the city government and the county government. The response to a leaked letter to the mayor prompted the community to react immediately. I was driving to CVS to get some dry erase markers because I was like, all right, I need to get a whiteboard and like have a plan, a timeline, etc. So I was basing off what the University of Texas had done, knowing I needed a template beforehand. And then I saw the Instagram live video. Uh, Hush was, there's a, a guy who had driven through the crowd of protesters in the street. He had pulled out what looked to be bear spray and um, maced several people. Um, at the same time or around that same time, another man had pulled out a pistol and then aimed it at several people. Uh, some of those people included football players uh, here. Uh, this, is, this is why I saw that. And I was like, hold on real quick. Like, there's people out here, you know, being assaulted in the street because of something that you did. You know, you have to at least physically go down there and see what's going on. So I stopped. I went to the square, which is about a, a mile from my house. And, um, that's really what first opened my eyes to reaction. I mean, there was Whoa. time probably about approximately 50 to 100 people per reporting at the square. There is a school had just gotten out. So it was largely at this point in time, high schoolers, I want to say, and younger adults that stayed. Mm -hmm. and, but the surrounding them in the square. So if you imagine the courthouse, you know, is in the middle, then surrounding in the square is just stereotypical trucks, Confederate flags, guys perched like this, open carry, mean mugging people. 
I ended up having discussions with, you know, quite a few of them who had already known who I was at that point. And if you haven't already guessed by now, it was Sherman's letter. It turns out there are a few cities that have successfully removed their Confederate statues. These statues were in public and private spaces alike. So what's so different about Murray, Kentucky? One of the interesting things that I've been trying to find, like, okay, like, why haven't we been able to get this done for eight months at this point in time with other cities the same size have? And it's the fact that, you know, those other cities like Tuskegee or Pensacola, Florida is another one. They have a black or minority population that that's aware of like, we've been through this. We know that small, you know, small things that we leave right here, you know, y'all, y'all gonna take them out. Like, and so we, we have to eliminate it everywhere. Whereas here it's like, no, it's all good. Like everything's fine. You're just stirring up trouble. We can leave these small things. It won't lead to anything else bad. And it's not the case as, as y'all probably know. So. Sherman has been met with a lot of criticism during this eight month long process. And it's unsure whether or not his self-proclaimed enemies truly understand his position. People, the first criticism I get is, oh, it's just a statue, you know, quit being a snowflake, you know, it's just granted, figure out how to fix something else. I'm like, I got it. But I know in my mind that, you know, that plant, when you pull it up, has roots. And that, so I, the roots of that poisonous tree are everything else that we have to fight, which is what's come, up, come out of that. Small government, large government, you know, policing, you know, assault white supremacy, all of it immediately revealed itself once you start pulling on that tree. Wow. Um, and so where is that plant planted at? Where are those roots? All these statues per UDC instruction are at courthouses, the seats of where you're supposed to go fix these things. Mm. So it's one thing to have it in a on public property that we're kind of paying for off a highway. Um, it's another thing to have it on private property where if you want to just poison yourself and wake up with hate every day, that's something that you can do. But it's another thing that we can't accept if you're poisoning, you know, the very well where we're supposed to go to get justice from. There is a clear cut cause and effect to this issue. The information of the atrocities of the past is hard to understand and further, not so standard knowledge. The county says it's just a statue. The people say, it's a symbol of hate. But with these ones in particular, uh, since they're built on a myth that, that's, that's a myth that's propagated by white supremacist groups, you will have white supremacy and, and what the Confederacy stood for bleed through everything that you do. There you and, go. And, and that blood is in real paperwork that's, when I have to type a paper on you know educating myself, I have to cite a myth from the National Park Service. These, these, these source documents that the National Park Service is using or the Kentucky Military Heritage Commission come from authors that were ex-Confederate soldiers who told people that they're propagating this myth, you know, back when this happened in the 1900s and late 1880s, so. Sherman and his team have already made multiple court appearances and appeals submitted to his state government with positive response. For the county, however, that is a different story. The, the city government voted unanimously to remove the monument um, within, I want to say, two weeks. Okay. 
um, the county government voted, voted unanimously to keep the monument after about three months. So right now, um, we can't do anything until the county makes a decision. So the governor of Kentucky, Andy Bashir, has said monuments in front of courthouses should be removed. Okay. Uh, John Morant, if y'all watch basketball, like <laughs> he, he has said it should be removed. Wow. Uh, uh, number, the national organization, the NAACP, um, a litany of uh, Amnesty International, um, especially when we talk about those roots, like you, Amnesty International talk, helps refugees and human rights crises in Syria, yet they're, they're thinking about this. Right. National Organization of Women is worried about equal pay, but they know they can't get equality while we have these things. NAACP in Kentucky is worried about Breonna Taylor, but they know that the same incidents that are resulting there and the same lack of accountability, you can see that with the with the, the way that people are acting and not being held accountable in, in places here in the middle of the day mm-hmm. in broad daylight on film. So mm-hmm. so um, there's there's everybody that I can think of um, with the exception of the county government um, right now. The, the county's position is that, you know, the will of the people um, indicates that it should stay, meaning the majority. Uh, my proposition or my position on that is that, you know, as elected officials, um, you're not elected to just reciprocate what any man said. Right. right. Being trusted because you have more information, you have more education, you have more, you know, access to other groups. Mm. And, um, and right now, I mean, we'll still be segregated if it is up to the will of people to desegregate or segregate. That's all right. So at some point in time, somebody has to make a decision based on what's right. For Sherman and the entire city of Murray, Kentucky, the fight for equality will continue well after the statue comes down. But in the meantime, we must do our part to be the spark for the hope in our communities. You can find Sherman's full story on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Spark in the Valley. For Spark in the Valley, this is Julius Johnson. All right. Um, that was a very interesting interview. Uh, needless to say. Um, Did you learn a lot? I learned more than I thought I would. I really liked that one part where he was talking about the statues. <laughs> he talked about some very interesting topics. I, uh, All right, guys. We, we haven't had that conversation yet so that's why it's funny <laughs> yeah. ruining our illusion yeah. babe. he just ruined it for us no no, no but, it's hilarious but, but it, jp's saying like oh that part about the statues yeah. would just sound dumb if you don't know <laughs> <laughs> um but yes we are back um we just interviewed mr sherman neal from murray kentucky um about his experience with removing or attempting to have the conversation around the removal of a statue of Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee. It's in a very prominent location. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the, I, education. Listen, let's yeah. just wrap this up by saying 
or wrap back into it by saying education is so important. So important. The, the thing that I, I think that we need to move forward with as a country is standardizing our education across the board. Absolutely. Um, the thing that... And they're the, trying, but it's not working. Yeah, the, I the don't problem, know. I, I mean, there's they're still trying to get evolution. Too, there's issues with that too, though. The problem is funding for like the different programs that, that we have in this in like our different school systems. Mm-hmm. The way that our education system is set up is that the funding for the school... like Okay, so we have national directives as to what we're supposed to have a baseline of learning. Right. The problem right. is that the funding for those programs is left to the local municipalities. Mm-hmm. So you've got rich areas of this country. Yeah. You've got poor areas of this country. Yeah. Let's say Ath- let's take Athens for an example, okay, here in McMinn County. So Athens. Athens has to tax their citizens, takes that money, portion of it, and then funds the schools. Mm-hmm. The median income in Athens, I think, is like 40... It's like 35, it's less 40. Than 40. Yeah. yeah. It's and in the 30s. So... 38 or 9. It, it's... You take that percentage of taxes that gets paid, and w- compared to a city like Knoxville, compared to a city... I mean, like, you yeah. go farther, like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Okay? Nashville. Mm-hmm. Nashville, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, those counties, like Davidson County, is going to have a lot more money to wow. pay for its school system, right, so they're going right. to have a better education system right, there. Right. And even like even closer, like the districts inside the different cities. Mm-hmm. So like, if you live closer to a school and you get districted for that school, the money that you are being taxed is going to pay for the school in that district. Mm-hmm. Okay, so different people that live in different parts of town are going to make different types of money because I mean, the richer people live closer to the richer people, people, poor people live closer to the poor people. So the schools in the poor areas aren't going to have the same amount of funding so they can't do these programs as well as a school that has like all this money. Take like, uh, uh, have you guys ever been to, uh, uh, I think it's Cleveland High School. This school is, ma- like it is, it's almost laughable how much better Cleveland High School is Cleveland High School and Walker Valley and like compared comparatively to no like I know people that live here in Athens whose parents will pay th- like the school system for them to go to Cleveland High School Walker Valley is that legal though yeah yeah I know, I, money? I know well I know a lot of people that literally that moved so their children could go to those schools mm-hmm. yeah and so the thing is it's like the, the places that have more money can fund these schools a little bit better, like Cleveland High School, what I was saying, they've got a, a football stadium. Wow. Okay? They've got, like, these training facilities for their, their students and stuff. They had, like, when I was in school, in high school, we, like, we fought tooth and nail, myself and my, my professor, our teacher, I guess, uh, we fought tooth and nail to get funding for uh, this media program that they did here in, uh, in Athens, which was great. They got a ton of money, like, a couple hundred thousand dollars to like buy cameras lighting rigs and all this stuff and it was a good program i mean it, it went to hell after the that teacher and our class was gone because the person that they put in charge didn't know what they were doing you know but you take a school like in cleveland that same type of program is like recognized as one of the best programs in a high school for like video production they have a lot of people that get into that because they have the amount of money and the resources to be able to do that. So not only is the funding skewed, then we've got the education that's being skewed as well because these schools have more money to put into better education for their students. And more opportunities. And more opportunities. So it, it's not just one problem. 
it just goes back to it's the whole system. It's a huge fundamental it, problem. It, it, is, a, it is a yeah. fundamental I, I, error in the system that needs to get fixed from the top down. But nobody wants to talk about that. I went nobody to Central. To I don't know if you guys know how poor Central, like compared McMahon, to McMahon, McMahon Central. Mm-hmm. Like we all, like we had one Spanish teacher, and that was the only foreign language we were allowed to mm-hmm. take. And like. Uh, I wasn't allowed to do more than one fine arts either. Wow. Uh, so, like, I was in band, so I couldn't. They wanted me to play piano for the choir, but I couldn't because I was already in band. Uh, and it was just like, and I couldn't do drama. I couldn't do anything because I was in band. And they didn't see, there's like, you get one fine arts and you don't get to do anything else, regardless of your path. Yeah, like, I know McMinn had, uh, as far as foreign language, they had, Spanish was, like, obviously the main one that everyone would take. But then they also had French. I, I don't know exactly how long they had it. I don't know if they still have it. I know that they had one French teacher and they only had like one French class and I was in it. And um, I mean, it was great. Like, I loved the teacher. It was really cool. Like we even did like a, a culinary study where we would go and we tried, uh, we cooked uh, like, or someone cooked escargot for us and we ate snails. I think it's on video from like when I was in <laughs> high school and stuff. I'd Cute. have to find it on one of those ancient CDs. Uh, <laughs> a DVD? DVDs. A DVD. <laughs> but like, it's just, there's just a fundamental problem. It needs to yeah, get solved. absolutely there is. It, it definitely it, needs to be solved. I'm not sure that standardization is the way to go, but I think more federal funding for, for you know, coming down to even a county level or, you know, whatever, um, for schooling is definitely something that should be considered or so, a different way of funding schools so that it's more equitable. So, okay, so my question then uh, with what you're saying is, when okay, so when I'm talking about standardization, you're talking about curriculum, right? Yes, standardizing a curriculum, not right. exams. Well, there's problems with yeah. that. I mean, there's and and one of the biggest issues, of course, is standardized testing. Like mm-hmm. a lot of teachers will, I think, agree that standardized testing is not the way to go about making sure that students learn. Yeah, because what students all to learn. learn differently. Right, yeah. students learn differently, and so I think that there has to be some leeway for teachers to be able to expound on certain things, and and because it depends on where you are regionally, things are more important than other things. But I think that you're right that there has to be some standard because otherwise we yep. see these really inequitable situations like where there's only two schools that talk about or two uh, sorry two states right. that talk about white supremacy. Like I think you're absolutely right. In yeah, because I mean it's like there there can't be this disconnect between what was and what you want it to be. Yeah. You know, like uh, you have to talk about the Confederacy as a secession movement that started a new country. Like that's just the fact of the matter. Okay, you can't turn around and be like, oh, it was because of states' rights. No, it was because of states' rights to slavery. Yeah. If yeah. you wanna, if you wanna finish your sentence there, buddy. You yeah. know, and it's like you have to have like a baseline of like we have to just go back as a country to having a general understanding of what the truth is yeah. because if not then we are where we are now where everything is fake news everything is made up everything is lies if it hurts your feelings or whatever and it's like no you have to have like that that at least core understanding of what is real what actually happened and what didn't happen like yeah. i mean i'm not saying that any con- or that any state is teaching that the holocaust didn't happen or anything like that but, but a using, large proportion but of americans believe believe it that happen. exactly yeah. so it's like we have to have this understanding of this is this is the truth of our world. This is the truth of our of our history. And if we don't have that, then what type of people are we raising in this country, you know? Like my daughter, I want her to know the truth about everything, you know? As as 
as egregious, as as terrible as the truth may have been, as as hurtful as it may have been, that's still the truth because we need to know our past to be able to build it to a better future. Agreed. That's right. That's right. And that's actually really when we were talking about like with the statues and with these different initiatives that the the daughters of the confederacy would take in order to keep white supremacy alive mm. one of the biggest things is that every time we would make some grand gesture of progress something like the civil rights era or um during jim crow era when black people were starting to get some power and things like that political power um we would see this resurgence and this like surge of them putting up more statues, naming more things after Confederate generals, putting up more murals, having more ceremonies, doing more fake funerals for soldiers that had died, you know, 50 years ago or whatever. It's almost whatever. like they were trying to conserve the way that things used to be. Absolutely. That's exactly what they were forward. trying to do. That's exactly what they were trying to do. They don't want to see progress, you know. Nice. So nice. anyway, it's it's problematic. And we definitely, you know, I think it needs to be it's one of those big national conversations that needs to happen. And I don't know. I mean, it's a big, big thing to take on, that's for sure. You know, JP yeah. said, you know, what kind of people are we raising in America and if we wrap up everything that we've been talking about thus far to a pretty little box and put a bow on it and divide that between two presidents, you have 70,000 people that voted for... 70 million. So, sorry, 70 million. <laughs> 70 million. That's fake news, Julius. fake news. It's not 70,000. <laughs> 70 million, which is a lot worse. That voted for an administration that represents all of the negative aspects of the conversation that we've been having right now yeah and then at the same time we, we and, and 80, I still, 80 million yeah and i still think it's crazy that 75. like 75, yeah okay. so you've got 75 and 70 mm. right so that's what 145 there are over 300 million people in this country yeah there's that a means lot of people still vote. 50, I think. Yeah. it's still less than half the people actually cared enough about there what was go. going on. I think it was, to, but I that it was works. something Three, like 65 percent. I, I guess that 300 million is also including like people that are underage, but still, right? I mean, because like it was like 65 percent yeah. of of eligible voters actually eligible voters, eligible so voters like, actually. Well, yeah, it was a or maybe highest, more than that. I think it was 60, almost 60. While it was still like the highest turnout that we've ever had, or whatever. I still don't understand how it's not higher. I agree. You know, agree. it's like how how do people just go about their lives not giving a damn about what goes on? What yeah. is the highest rate that America has seen somebody vote or seen us vote or seen this? It's a bit this like, is one of the highest. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, there's others that were. Mm -hmm. There was the, one the, time the, the in like the 1800s that had percentage wise, I think. A but then you had less. Turnout. You had less people that were allowed to vote. Too. Right. Exactly. But that you know that turnout still for. For eligible voters you is didn't what have these comparing. disinformation campaigns going around and the uh, propensity that they are now where it's like you don't know that you're being lied to just when you open up your phone right, you know like right, you right, like you don't right. know that you're being lied to or misinformed when you're being lied to or misinformed anymore because before it was like hey i'm gonna lie to you and now it's like oh open up your phone and like scroll a little bit and like see and what you'll you... see like five fake things yeah right. you'll see a whole and then 15 minutes like, you said, yeah. spend on your phone yeah, yeah. and that kind of gets into you know our kind of final topic for this evening which is <laughs> misinformation has truly guided a lot of people to contract covid oh yeah tennessee is Man. struggling we made national headlines no 
Yes, we did. We, we made the, did. We made the New York Times today, guys. No. I know. Wait, something good, right? Nope. No. Turns out Athens, Tennessee, as a micro metro area, so really it's the county, it's the McMinn County, hit. It, we were number one on the list for uh, highest rate of increased cases. What? In the country. And so some people are saying that that is skewed information because they're taking, they're, they claimed it was Athens, Tennessee, but really they're claiming the, it's the county's numbers. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's fair, but they actually make, uh, they, they apparently made a, um, a clause about that at the bottom saying it was micro metro areas. So you have to understand that the comparison to all the other cities is the same. They're micro metro areas. So even though I think it was what, Tullahoma, Tennessee, it's probably not just the town of Tullahoma. It's probably whatever that micro metro area is around it the fact of the matter is that those numbers are still rising at such a rate that we're we're literally at the top of the list and eight of the cities on the top 20 were in tennessee oh god number one was the athens area number two is the cleveland area so if you want to expand what what alex was saying let's just say mcmin county and bradley county yeah but i mean bradley county has so many more people than than mcmin county does you know, mm. McMinn County is a, a, a very, a fairly small county. Right. And this is by population. Considered. This yeah, is po- by population cases percentage. per population percentage. Yeah. And it's, so it's, that's cases why per 100,000. Yeah. yeah. Cases was. per 100,000. And, uh, I mean, but we only have what, 30,000 people in our county. I yeah, mean, no. it's not, it's it, not that no, many. They're, the, it's the rate the of statistics increase. was places with 50,000 plus only. Oh, so we must have 50,000 more. We must have about, oh, no, actually, I just looked at it. For the census for 2010, we had 52,000 in, okay. in our county. So, but I mean, still, Athens, in the Athens area, McMinn County, however you want to talk about it, because I mean, Athens is basically McMinn County. Everything else is really small. But um, Athens is like, or McMinn County is growing in uh, uh, cases so rapidly we are and at the same time we have not been taking care of our hospitals i mean we just had that one hospital in uh, dayton was it that shut down last year uh and it's like these these hospitals are losing funding like they don't have the staff to be able to perform that and i mean i'm sorry i i Applaud nurses and, and doctors and everything, but the hospital in Athens is not prepared to handle oh, this. The, no. the hospital in Athens is not a great. Did hospital. you see that that um, in East Tennessee, there's there's apparently like two hundred somewhere around two hundred and eighty five ICU beds, and there's only eight left in all of East Tennessee, and that wow. was as of yesterday. So there's no telling what it looks That's like today. They're closing hospitals. That's exactly right. Areas. They're closing hospitals, and the hospitals that are still alive can't keep up with the COVID rates. It's so high and it's so bad that they can't. It can't. They can't keep up. They yeah. they don't have enough beds for everybody. I mean, even in Knox County, which I mean, Knox County is a pretty large county, and they have multiple hospitals. They have UT. They have Fort Loudon or uh, Fort Sanders uh, Medical Center and everything. They're already. I mean, I, this was from data from a week or so ago, where their ICUs were at about eighty percent capacity again. And that's why they started shutting everything down yeah, at 10 p.m. Yeah, it's at 97 percent capacity yeah, now. Exactly. The hospitals. They're, they're talking about building outside wards to house the new COVID cases. This I mean, is like, they're like not a gonna crazy, be, like apocalyptic be, movie. Yeah, they're not going to be like in the open air, but it's still going to be outside of the actual hospital. So they're not. They're going to have subpar treatment at best at that point. Oh sure, it's like a mash. It's like exactly. a military hospital in a freaking you know like live war situation like this is just 
I mean, it's, no, it, and, it's but crazy. you know, part of it is that our freaking governor will not put a mask mandate out. That's why they, he won't put a mask fire. mandate on. He won't close churches where I mean, we. Yes. It's been shown statistically that that's where people are getting this the most. And churches, schools, schools. Okay. like oh. we're not closing these places down because it's not convenient. Well, I'm sorry, there's nothing convenient about a pandemic. <laughs> that's that's kind of the thing. Yeah. It is a very inconvenient. It's been extremely inconvenient. To, I can say personally, to, to I've had quote, a very inconvenient time. To quote this. Al Gore, it is an inconvenient truth. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Like it, this pandemic is killing people in record rates. Yeah. Okay. It's not going to stop unless we do something about it. But we, the people, aren't going to do jack squat. No, we're waiting on a vaccine. We're waiting on a vaccine. And it's like, who knows? That vaccine is going to come. And what's going to happen? We're going to have the anti-vaxxers that are saying that they don't want to take it Mm -hmm. because of it's whatever. Right. And I mean, I I understand there is that everyone is lying to me. The government has done this. I understand what you were saying earlier about Mm -hmm. like the Tuskegee trials and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And I get that a hundred percent. But we're having this vaccine is about to get released in the UK, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's going to go public. We can see it. We can see how it's going to affect the people there, mm-hmm. and it's then like make that decision here. It's like buying the new console as soon as it comes out. So exactly. It's like if, if, if the console blows nice, up on Cody. on people on day one, you probably don't want to buy it until but, maybe uh, maybe later. Should, you know. <laughs> Which is why they're doing so many, I mean, that's why they're doing so many large scale trials right now Mm -hmm. to test for that kind of stuff, which is how they usually do it. They've just fast tracked it and they're doing the same protocols. They're just doing it a lot faster than they would have normally done it because it's so vitally important. It's widespread. It's very widespread. Can I ask a question about the, about testing? Uh, So we in McMahon County, we, we can go to the health department and get a free COVID mm-hmm. test. I think uh, uh, some CBSs do it as well. Well, is that is that widespread in our I don't country? think so. I don't think so. You mean I don't, the free testing like that? I don't yeah. get the impression from like friends and family who live in other places that that is an opportunity that they have. Um, I know that my family has had a really hard time getting tested um, yeah, in Louisiana. Because it costs money some places. Oh, it costs $100 well, see, a test. So why? Damn. For a rapid test, So that's yeah. probably... Well, that's one of the reasons that our numbers are so inflated on these charts is because we have, we're testing more. We, we're testing more and we're getting more cases. So maybe, because we, like maybe Trump we said, stop, stop testing. testing. Yeah, right. we stop, stop testing. Well, just trying to voice an opinion that I'm No, I think that's a really good point, actually. I think that's a really good point is that yeah. we're maybe not seeing accurate numbers because testing is not is not necessarily. Uh, that's no, scary. I, think, I think it was a state in uh, New England had just released some like numbers that they had forgotten about from like april They've forgotten about yeah from april and it's like how do you just what that's not relevant anymore guys yeah and so like they're we're releasing these numbers showing that the now. showing that the rates were a lot higher than previously thought wow because they just hadn't they put out the data. out the data yeah and no one's going to look go back and look at those numbers now i mean i did because i have nothing better to do well i will say the other thing that comes into play here is that it's not just that like testing is up it's that more people are getting tested because there's more exposure Mm -hmm. because i can tell you like i for i was getting tested once a week at the health department because i work at a school so i was like well i didn't have to i was just doing it for my own like relief of okay. knowing that I didn't have it because uh-huh. I see you uh-huh. guys and I you know and Cody's a diabetic so uh-huh. I worry about that about exposing him uh-huh. so I was trying to keep on top of it and I would go and try to get tested or I would go and get tested and it would take me like 15 minutes to get tested like I'd run through that line it would be so easy it's a drive through so they just test you in your car 
we I went a couple weeks ago to get tested because I was sick and I was afraid I had it. Right. And it took me 45 minutes. There was a line all the way down the road. They there had it go. wrapped around this auction tent that's that's wow. next to it. And I was like, well, this is crazy. I've never seen it this busy before. But it was still one tent with one tester. We went to get tested this week because we were exposed to somebody. And we got there and they had two tents set up and they had a line so far. We still waited 45 minutes. It was, a, it was a quarter with, mile long. It was, line, yes. At least. At least, and it was wrapped around this tent, and we and we, it took us forty five minutes with two testers. Athens. So it is no, doubling and doubling and, and doubling of people who are going to get tested because, because they're, being, they're exposed. being exposed. So it's Add on really. Top of that, where is the health department here in McMinn County? Between uh, Ath- Athens, Athens and, and Etowah. Etowah. Okay, how far away is that from Athens? How out of the way? It's like ten minutes and outside ha- Athens. Exactly, yeah. and how how but many people it's, actively it's a think? Thing. And so I mean, it's it's right. a lot. If it was in Athens, just think how long it takes someone from um, the edge of Polk County to get there. It'd, it'd take them thirty. Well, I mean, minutes. why don't they go to the Polk County? Uh, Cause because they're not they're, part they're of not Polk from, County. In Polk County, you can only get, you can only use the. See, they're saying the edge, the county. edge exactly. of the county. Yeah. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Athens is the, I mean, it's the county seat. Yeah. You know, it's the largest it's, city. I in think the it's county. pretty common valley. though for that for like health departments and things to be a little bit outside of the city. But I don't I don't actually know. That's just from my experience. Yeah, so I can't. I want to give a shout out to them though because they they Hell were yeah. they were doing a great job. They're killing it. We got our results back in less than two days. That's great. That's that's amazing. And we were negative. Guys, obviously, it's great, that they're, it's great that they're doing it, but it's still it, it's not being advertised as well as I would like for it to be. You mean free testing? I think that yes, they can't exactly. keep up with it. I yeah. think that they're they're, they're already afraid. drowning. I mean, yeah. the first the time I got tested a couple and, weeks and ago, it took six too. days to get my results, and, and that's a problem too. It's like yeah. it, we need more staff, but we can't get more staff because well, people they need are more getting funding. Ex- yeah. There's more funding. People are getting exhausted. Like, I was about I know, to say, I know nurses are tired. Bro. I know workers tired. in the medical field that yeah. have literally just walked away from the profession altogether. Wow, yeah, I can understand that's so that. sad. No, I mean, like you're you're just seeing people dying. Yeah, you're seeing people dying every single day. Yeah, that yeah, you're walking up to them and you're like, all right, well, we got like we got to do your COVID test and all this stuff, and they're like, oh, shut up, the COVID isn't real. Like, yeah, people like yeah. The, yeah. the people are telling these nurses and and mm-hmm. medical uh, providers that. That what they know isn't real. Mm-hmm. It's like me telling you media production isn't a real thing. It's like me <laughs> telling you that a library isn't real. Right. You know. Right. It's like it's it's it's, like it, it's ridiculous. Sure it is. There's you know? books in there. Yeah, it's like I, there, I am I trained in my field. I know a little bit more yeah. than you. Yeah. Right. You know. So why don't you trust me? Exactly. You know, which just comes back to because all of the, when I was in the school, they didn't say because when I was on parlor, masks don't work. Right, and parlor and told there's, me there's lots of doctors that have said that. Which, no, and they, which they, is, there, there was a so crazy. There was that uh, it's disgusting. There was right. that nurse that went on TikTok. Yeah, there's a few of them. Yeah, that ended oh, up getting my best fired. friend's mom. My best friend's mom was a nurse or is a nurse, and she doesn't want to wear a mask outside of work. Like, oh, yeah, she, she made doesn't a big post about like. Going into a store and, and not wearing I wasn't a mask. wearing my mask and I was just smiling and being me. And, oh, and I was, was just like, I'm disgusted by this. Like, this is gross. And it you was know? like the the nurse that went on TikTok was just like actively talking about how like dumb it all was and like all this stuff. She ended up getting fired. What did Good. you expect? Good. Yeah. Like, what do you expect when yeah. you're a doctor and you're like, medicine isn't isn't like the the way? You know? Right. Right. Y'all remember? Has anybody ever seen I Am Legend? Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Man, talk about a good Will Smith movie. That's a, a great, good one. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I cry every 
fucking time dies. did I watch that. Oh, really? When, when he has to when kill the dog. The dog. Yeah. Oh, Sad. it's horrible. No, I remember like, being uh, in theaters, bawling my eyes out. Yeah. My eyeliner's running. It's like, <laughs> the eyeliner's <laughs> running because it's circa 2005 such a thing to say. I know it. I know it. He had his keytar in another seat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, went, I went to the movies with my keytar. Yeah, he was just <laughs> him in the keytar on a date. Just him in the keytar. <laughs> no, like, um, I was actually talking about this with somebody uh, with one of my uh, riders yesterday. Um, it was uh, if if COVID had more adverse side effects mm-hmm. to where people could actually see it and be afraid of it, it would be solved almost instantly. It would be it would be taken care of. Yeah, people like would be wearing their hair mask. fell out. Everybody no, be like, wearing like, yeah, yeah, it. Right. It's all these right. asymptomatic people that get it and that's, like, oh, it's not yeah, bad at all. Exactly, exactly. because that's that's not my. Oh, yeah, we got COVID. It was no big deal. I've, I've like, heard that yeah, so many times. Okay, I, I did too. I when I went back to work, my my the last job that I did, I heard people in the audience talking to each other when they're slowly coming in. It's like, oh, girl, yeah, last time we was here, I got COVID, but I'm good. It wasn't that bad. Big deal. I had my little mask on, but. I was ready to get up out of there. Yeah, yeah it, it's like um, what I what I told this guy. It's like if if I ever get COVID, which I really hope that I don't, because I've I've also talked to people that have had it, and it's like the worst experience of their entire lives. Yeah, like not only yeah. not only physically, but also mentally. Yes, like it yes. messes with you well, not you knowing if you're and not knowing if you're gonna live or die. Seeing people dying, literally, like people in the, like across the the hall from you, they're like, oh, what what happened to Old Man Smithers? And they're like, Old Man Smithers is dead. Yeah, you know. Well, like my my 90 year old grandma who was in the nursing home with she COVID, she's doing yeah. good. She's okay. doing good. good. Okay. Yeah, for, for, but, for someone who fell, got a brain bleed, and COVID, um, she's doing pretty good. She's a fighter. Yeah, she yeah that's fighter, good. She's that's a right. fighter. She is beautiful in every single way. But <laughs> <laughs> COVID can't keep her down. Um, yeah, that that no, but, but, the little. Yeah, what, what I was saying is, oh. if if I ever get COVID, mm-hmm. which I hope that I don't. But if I ever do, you are gonna see me out in the middle of the street trying to bite people. Like, <laughs> I, like it's gonna be a new side what? effect. I hope you, you, are guys, silly. you guys better put it on TikTok. Boy, and whatever. They will pull their gun out, bro. I'm hey, telling you. Hey, COVID, catch, COVID uh, uh, gets you shot. COVID gets like, you right. Yeah, people will start wearing man, their mask. Man, acting that. like yeah, zombies. I'll take that bullet for the cause. At the street. Fighting people. They're gonna yeah. finally wear a mask. Yeah. No, it's like, and man, I, I hate that it has to be that way because people don't care. That's the thing. People. <laughs> oh, God. People don't have that apathy. Or not apathy. People have a lot of apathy. They don't have empathy. Empathy. Yeah, you know, yeah. they don't exactly. have empathy right. for, for other people. You're right. That's so and sad, bro. It, 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 so it, it's like It's just a humanity thing. It's just a, a people thing. It doesn't have anything to do with this country in particular. It's hard for one person to think outside of themselves and their inner circle. They, their amount of caring gets smaller and smaller as that net gets wider and wider. Yeah. Okay. The guy tell us um, down in Louisiana, like, yeah, I don't think Biden won. I don't know a single person that would have voted for Biden over Trump. Yeah. And like, yeah, in in your in the little, heart of Louisiana, yeah. yeah. In your tiny red dot of a state. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and it, Trump won your state, so obviously, like, yeah. that's right. true. Like, so the beginning of I Am Legend, they're interviewing one of the doctors, right? And Emma I hope, Thompson. Yeah, Emma, thank you. I was like, what is her name? Um, if you've not seen it, spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen it in 20, it's 2020, guys, come on. It's been like 15 years. He literally just said that the dog died. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Unless you want to cry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, they're interviewing a doctor, and it's like a 60 seconds interview, and she's like, 
oh yes, we have had successful a cure, know, for cancer. cure for cancer. Da 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 yeah. da 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 da. And then like the little title block said, we cured cancer, but should we have cured cancer? Yeah, because the cure for cancer was what turned everyone into those blood those vampires. Those fucking zombies. Oh, Lord. They weren't zombies. They were vampires. My, they were they're vampires. They're different. Really? Yeah, different. Yeah, they were vampires. Because they couldn't come out during they the day. They couldn't come out during the day. They were constantly yeah, they were trying their, to like... They were like their own thing. But they yeah. were, they were, they were <laughs> more... Vampire zombies. Vampire zombies. They were more vampire than, than zombies. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that. I'll have to rewatch and they're like, vampires. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, I just... I think about that every time I see this deal about more yeah. cases and people yeah. not wanting to wear their no, masks. And, then like, and, and, and I totally understand. I mean, going off of your same mm-hmm. point, what about this vaccine? Mm-hmm. People are scared because they don't know. Just don't know. But at, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you've got to you've got to trust somebody mm-hmm. because you do not know. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I am ignorant when it Absolutely. comes to stuff of medical nature. Mm-hmm. So I put my faith and I put my trust in someone that will know, yeah, someone that is studied. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I use that word faith and I really wish I hadn't because that immediately <laughs> brings up connotations <laughs> right, to something else. Right, right, But you have to be able to to separate and and understand what you're ignorant about. And that's ignorant in, like, the, the actual definition, you know? Being ignorant doesn't mean that you're stupid. It means that you are unlearned in some things. Yeah. You know, uh, I guess untaught. Or I don't know the word. You get ignorant, what I'm saying? No, though. that's what that is. Yeah. Ignorant yeah. is a lack of knowledge. Know. Yeah. yeah. You just don't know mm-hmm. something on a particular mm-hmm. topic. You need to trust someone that has studied, that has put these hours, that has yeah. done this for 50 years. Yeah. You know, like um, these doctors and these scientists that have been working their entire lives mm-hmm. to do this, mm-hmm. you need to be able to at least say oh that guy may know what he's talking about right you know absolutely if i've spent my entire life uh building aquariums who are you going to call me or the guy that just you know like, you know you. what i'm saying yeah. call you, so it's like uh we need to be able to trust people that know what they're doing and be mm-hmm. able to put our trust in someone other than ourselves because at the end of the day we do not know everything it's, it's impossible for one person to know everything so at least trust someone that is specialized in their field which i think then brings us back to if we have that trust again in things like our medical systems or our government or whatever that we will have a more empathetic country and a more united country mm-hmm. because right now we're missing that i think that that used to be something there's a certain amount of trust that the citizens had for large institutions in their country and we don't have that trust anymore mm-hmm. and it's been so detrimental mm-hmm. you know and we've become so divided about that and what about do you think a that lot of things start, did that start in the last four years like no real, no real? no i mean like and, and you go back and like, like go using that same example like the tuskegee medical trials mm-hmm. those atrocities that happened where people were it was infected with syphilis yes right? tuskegee syphilis uh, studies yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so uh where it was Mainly black people. I think it's all black people. Yeah, black black men. All yeah, all black, black men that black were men, yeah. infected with mm-hmm. syphilis to see mm-hmm. what this did. Yeah, and that's not right. <laughs> no, that, I, I can sit here and say in 2020 that that was not right. If yeah, I was and then Bill Clinton and, came down and yeah. uh, uh, and formally apologized for it. Did he? But that was it. Well, and we have I mean, a lot more protections like and better, systems right? that you have to go through now than back then. It was just kind of, you could do whatever the hell you wanted to. If you mm-hmm. were a doctor, they just let you do whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. You didn't even have, I mean, you could just right. claim you were a and doctor. It's like claiming you're a lawyer. You didn't even have to have a law degree. You know, and if I you think, pass the bar. Yeah, I, I think that people are they're easy to forget stuff that happened in the past, but they're not going to forget some things. With the Tuskegee trials, that was such... And we, I think like, 
our word is always egregious. I feel like we say it at least <laughs> I once every so much. every yeah. episode. That's officially Alex's word. So I'm gonna yeah. borrow your word. It's so egregious because it's like, how how could you do that to another human being? Which I guess they didn't view them as human They didn't human view them beings. as human they beings. Didn't view them, and yeah. it was actually under the guise of like milita- the military, the military and the yeah. FDA or some sh- something or something like that. And it's just, you're right. I mean, you, you have to ask yourself, you know. We trusted like, the government before. They messed up. They lied to us. They hurt us. They killed us. Yeah. How are we going to tr- tr- trust them again? Well, when the FDA has policies and look this up if you don't believe me but they have policies like you know 0.03 percent of fecal matter can be found in ground beef yeah they're just saying we don't care we're just only caring enough so that you don't get sick and then start to sue these guys who are paying us yeah that's essentially what that is so you know when you have and i'm not by saying that we need to have more trust in our institutions mm-hmm. i'm not saying that we should blindly trust because yeah, i think that, right. was, that is launch. the biggest right. mistake at all right. is that we have to question we have mm-hmm. to be critical it's like i tell my students all the time mm-hmm. even if you agree with something look for the cracks in that argument yeah look for the things that maybe don't quite sit right even if you agree with whatever that That's is good. because you have to be critical of things that's mm-hmm. the only way that you can move through life and still be able to make decisions for yourself that keep you safe or that keep you happy or whatever that might be and that's the same thing we should always question our government and keep them accountable to what the citizens need and what they want but there's certain things that like there has to be a certain amount of trust when it comes to certain institutions and things like that and we have to hope and pray that they have our best intentions or have the best intentions you know but it's just there's nothing we can do about a lot of these things You're except right. try to fix them yeah, yeah, yeah. on a local mm-hmm. or whatever level. Or we take to the streets, which we've done a lot of in the last four <laughs> right, years. And right. I think in, in a lot of ways that's been very effective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that was a, a good thing mm-hmm. in most instances that people took to the streets. They were like, listen, we don't like whatever this institutional, you know, blanket is that you've decided. And we, we disagree and we're going to tell you we disagree. And that's going to make change, yep. you know, and that's important. Um, And that's, you know, we have to exercise that right as well. We have to be. So I'm not saying blindly trust. I'm saying do your research and trust something if you think that it will work out. Like, for instance, with the vaccine, I have a colleague. I shared this post with you guys. I have a colleague who's a biologist and he got a trial. Um, He went and got a trial vaccine and it's either the vaccine or a placebo. He doesn't know, obviously, for the study. But he was saying that, like, long term wise, this has been through the same system that a vaccine would usually go through and it is safe because they've they've ruled out most of the vaccines that would otherwise hurt people and so for the most part other than maybe some slight symptoms or Mm -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. it's safe Mm -hmm. and and i trust him you know because i know him and i know that he's an educated learned man Mm -hmm. and so i would trust what he says before that i was far more worried about this vaccine and because i didn't know anything didn't about that any connection to i don't have any it. knowledge yeah. about how yeah. vaccinations work right, about how right. the system of the how system, vaccinations right, are right, created right. works here. i don't know anything about mm-hmm. that but he would know much mm-hmm. more about that and the fact that he is so sure yeah. makes me feel more sure because yeah. i trust him so there you go right there some transparency would help yes Americans absolutely absolutely this. i think if somebody walked people through what this looks like uh-huh. 
you know, on a major na- news network or yeah. something. It could they're go not, really they're far. They're not doing that, are they? No, they're not. They're wow. not talking about the vaccine in a practical way. They're wow. talking about it as this thing that might happen, might happen and then speculating on whether or not it's a good thing, mm. which is like, I'm sorry, but you're sowing distrust. Yeah. And that is one thing we don't need in this pandemic moment, you mm. know, it's like. Very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that I, your opinions about not wanting to get a vaccine are valid as well. well. I'll say this. I think people who have already had COVID should get the vaccine first. <laughs> like you already had it like, okay, cool. You've had it. That means you're st- possibly could be still carrying it. You go get that vaccine and then tell me how you feel afterwards. It's a two part vaccine. Did y'all know that? Mm. Yeah. It's two part vaccine. Moderna. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. So that's why it's interesting. I read the, the thing. And so I think that there's something to that. Yeah. Is if Moderna had a live feed to their vaccine uh, labs and you saw somebody like trembling or something, (laughs) you're a lot less likely to get the fifth vaccine. Yeah, and see, that's why I'm glad that the UK's already adopted it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to be released to the public very soon. We'll be able to see Mm -hmm. from here you know what happens mm. you know and hey if they all turn into zombies because of the vaccine we've <laughs> we'll at least got a, ready, right? we got, a we got a whole ocean we got a whole ocean you know um, but i don't obviously i don't think that's going to happen i right. i hope that everything goes well but we'll definitely mm. see because i mean every i mean messing with your with your body chemistry is is it's so, serious it's, yeah it's serious. it's serious so no you have to be really serious when you make those decisions yeah. absolutely yeah. You, you, yeah. flu I, shot I, ain't no joke some I, people no. i'm approaching this vaccine with cautious optimism that's good because it's like cautious i I want to be I want to be like yes let, let's get this vaccine and everything's going to work out hopefully mm-hmm. you know hopefully it works out we'll see until then put your GD masks on when yes. you're in public just do Social it for other people guys. let's do it for other people do yourself a favor it's not hard to stand six feet away from somebody let me I'll, let me help you out if you have never if you never looked up let me see what can you type in type in Sneeze. Uh, type in um, just just Google somebody sneezing. Sneeze trajectory. Trees. Thank you. Sneeze trajectory. Just Google it and Google it like a bunch of times and watch a bunch of different videos and I promise you. Watch a bunch of people sneeze. Six feet will not be enough. No, it's not. It really is not. They they speculate it's up to twenty seven feet that you can. Well, that's why the masks help because yeah. it stops but the, the masks limit that Boom. exactly. Boom. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. When when you say masks don't work, it's you can literally see Physically. how that helps. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like okay, there there was a video that was going around. It was again meme to death. If we're mm. if, if we're in the era of people only trust their memes. Yeah. There's a video that uh, a guy needed to was trying to prove that masks did not work by blowing out a candle with his mask on. Uh-huh. He couldn't do it. Yeah, no air was coming through mm, because to he, blow it out. Yeah, because he he was wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. He was wearing something to stop the mm-hmm. the stuff in his body from coming Doing out to out. other bodies. <laughs> right. You know, it's like it it makes sense if you think about yeah. it. Just think yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. but. People just don't want to be told what to do because they have my freedoms. Or Listen, whatever, if you, know, you don't think COVID is real, you know the flu is real. You know herpes is real. You know what else can you get if you saliva on somebody else's mouth or something? Oh, plenty of things. Herpes. Uh, <laughs> Tons of different things are yeah. real. So if you aren't worried about COVID, you want to catch about my that. diabetes? You know what? Well, Okay. Well, <laughs> that's not necessarily how it works. I'll give you no. some sugar. Uh, oh, Kitar sugar, Cody sugar. Womp, womp, womp. So I think we've reached the 
climax, kind of the ending of our of our. Listen, you know, we got really cynical there at the end, but but we're being serious at the same time. This is real. It doesn't matter, you know, where the results are coming from, where the you know statistics or you know all these different things that media outlets pull together to give us um, reference numbers. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. One is too many. Two. Because you spit on that person and then they got it. That's gross. Put your mask on. Put your mask. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to wear a mask for flu season for the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? I haven't gotten sick this year. I no, get sick And masks year. are just going to get more attractive. Yes. Yeah, They're seriously. just going to be have more well, function. You know? Until it starts giving you acne. Which yeah. Is, yeah, no, it's just up. like uh, so, yeah. I mean, wait till uh, uh, clear still comes out. It. Yeah, clear still come out with a mask. <laughs> clear, yeah. clear still right. mask. And it'll like only the bottom half of your face. Then you'll point. see the UGG oh. boot wearing clean and clear know. and COVID control. Oh, oh. Ah, plugging it, plugging it for got him. Them. All right, we'll but, call uh, them up for a sponsorship soon. I don't have any action points. Oh wait, I have I one. I heard it today on a on a conference call. It was. Um, Choosing your words carefully with measured emotion is the key to effective communication. Huh. Ooh. I like that. I really like that. It blew that. my mind. Because, like, I'm emotional all the time when I talk. Yeah, me too. Speak, yeah, I mean, y'all know that. <laughs> y'all watch, so, listen to the last episode. I get emotional sometimes. Yeah, we all yeah, get yeah, emotional. Yeah. yeah. But that, that was very phenomenal But to, to a communication. I yes. see why that's so vitally yes. important. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. He said... Uh, he said, um, "Managers are taught not to shoot a rabbit with a rabbit with a cannon. <laughs> yeah, it's effective, but you don't have any more rabbit. Right. So, what are you taking home to your family? Yep. You don't have any rabbit. You blew it up with a fucking cannon. Yep. You know, be tactile with your reprimand and your takedown and your communication to somebody that you may have a difference with." You know, originally Spark in the Valley was focused on that, but we had a lot of things to air out first. So 2021, we may get into this yeah, more. Yeah. You know, we're, I feel like we're definitely going to calm out. down yeah, a little bit. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I promise you. We're speaking out you. bipartisan voices. I mean, that's we just don't have any right now. Right. Yeah, we'll right. get some. Come on. Get some. Yeah, yeah, come on. Have we a conversation hear from with y'all. us. I dare you. <laughs> I dare you. I dare you. We do dare you because that's what this is about. The stop living in a mindset that is keeping you, your environment, and your country from growing. Yeah, don't live in a bubble. It's like it, it is not wrong to listen to somebody that has an opposing point of view than you. Right. You may actually learn something. Right. You may teach somebody something. I found out recently that I'm more conservative in my mindsets than I am liberal. I just have a liberal voice about voicing my opinion. Like I like I, I like so? fiscally, you know, there's different things about the government that I want smaller. I didn't realize that that was a conservative view. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, I did not know that. Fiscal conservative conservatives yeah and like just generally like smaller government you know i do believe that states should have more of a say on like what they do but like in terms of education in terms of you know economic um equity and stuff like that that should be standardized because there's clearly more people out here who want to see less people in power and empowered like self-empowered than they do you know not so yeah i don't know I don't know. That's my yeah. deal. My Sorry, action point. Julius, get your finger ready for the cuss word button. Oh, okay. Wear your fucking mask. Yeah, okay. 
I don't know if we're going to bleep that. No, I, yeah. It's no. too important. It's too important. I've got no action point this week, guys. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm falling down on the job. I got the end of the line. Okay, so uh, my action point has, uh, it's very important to me. Please follow our podcast on all social media. <laughs> yes. Uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if Google Plus was still a thing, we'd be on Google Plus, but it's not. <laughs> Is it not uh, anymore? I don't know, but uh, who, who, who yeah, uses it? Exactly. Hang but out. Facebook and Google Instagram. Check us out on Parlor. Yes. Oh. Oh. They're talking about us. Great. They're talking Our about only us. Our OnlyFans. No, um, we did share some stuff uh, on social media, at least uh, uh, this past Thursday, and it, it was, I mean, it took off, you know, and we, it was really nice to be able to see that engagement. Uh, I love that we were able to get uh, some people involved and mm-hmm. talking about us and everything, and that was really fun uh, i'd love to keep seeing that yeah so, don't hesitate talk yeah. talk crap if you don't like it please like let's yeah if you, guys think, if you guys think we're full of shit then tell us we're full of shit i would much rather hear somebody say something yes than not, hear than say, not say anything at all you know? so yeah follow us on instagram follow us on facebook at spark in the valley on both uh platforms yeah um listen to us wherever you get your podcast uh, apple podcast spotify google casts uh, and remember we Pocket we Cast. film each of these episodes and, and release them as videos on youtube exactly yes. so yes. please like share subscribe all that good stuff Stuff. Yeah, and if you can rate and review us, if you like and enjoy our podcast, that really helps us out. It gets us on the charts. It gets more viewers. Mm-hmm. It gets people who are listening to us. Um, so if you can rate and review our podcast as well, that really helps us out. So please do. And as always, keep an eye out for that OnlyFans page that will pop up eventually. <laughs> so um, I think if that's our action points, I feel like that does it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We, this has been Spark in the Valley. We'll see you next week. Bye, Sparklers. Bye. Spark in the Valley is a Purple Mountain Pods production. It is hosted by Julius Johnson, Alex Sharp, John Pierre Vasquez, and Cody Hensley. This podcast is produced and directed by Julius Johnson and co-produced by Alex Sharp, John Pierre Vasquez, and Cody Hensley. Music supervising and original music by Cody Hensley. Studio engineering and management by Rob Barnett. Research supervision by Alex Sharp. Social Media Management by Jean-Pierre Vasquez. Special thanks to Mink County Democratic Party and the McMinn Young Democrats.